0: Hi, welcome to Teacher Talk with Mrs. Bagdanov. Today's last episode of Romeo and Juliet concludes us with Act 5. Thank you for making it this far. I hope you've really enjoyed your time. I certainly have. Thank you for listening to my ramblings and musings and opinions on this famous tragic play. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the last episode. Scene 1 of Act 5 opens with Romeo discussing to Romeo's friend Balthazar in Mantua that he had a dream. He says, I dreamt my lady came and found me dead. Strange dream that gives a dead man leave to think. And breathe such life with kisses in my lips that I revived and was an emperor. Again, dramatic irony. This is, or not really dramatic irony, foreshadowing rather the end of the play as we know that they both eventually do die um we don't know the how it's going to shake out yet uh but again this idea of romeo and juliet constantly referring to the future without them realizing it having these weird dreams this makes me think all the way back in act one when romeo has a dream before he meets juliet that he shouldn't go to the party he feels not he doesn't feel good about it, which lo and behold, um, that dream is kind of flipped here because he's saying that Juliet finds him dead and she kisses him and comes to life in this dream. I'll revisit this when we talk about the rest of what happens um, because it'll play more, be more significant, as you know, at the ending. Um, so then Balthazar comes in and he. Says, How is it going, Balthazar? How's my lady? Nothing can be ill if she be well. He comes in and tells her, well, Then she is well, and nothing can be ill. Her body sleeps in Capel's monument, and her immortal part with angels lives. He tells her that she's dead because Balthazar literally saw her be put in the vault, uh, be put in the tomb. And Romeo says, Then I deny you, stars. Thou knowest my lodging, get me ink and can pay how is this even so again him denying fate denying the reality of the situation balthazar gets worried for him because he knows that romeo's in a vulnerable and shaky spot he doesn't want him to do anything uh harmful to himself romeo insists that he's going to be fine he asks for letters from the friar and balthazar says no so romeo's gonna go figure out what's going on he goes on to a monologue about how he's gonna go find an apothecary that's in our modern day times a druggist because he remembers that he has seen this apothecary who has a poison that if he takes it will kill him instantly so he goes to see this druggist this is like his plan his to kill himself um and the druggist gives him the poison, um, but the but the druggist, the apothecary, says, "My poverty, but not my will, consents." Romeo appeals to the fact that this drug dealer is really poor. He needs money. He is sick with with no food. Like he needs this. He needs the cash. So, <sighs> Romeo frustrates me because. He uses his power, he uses his money to do something desperate, to act on his impulse, but he's also desperately grieving because he literally thinks Julia is dead. So he's not in the right state of mind. Um, Again, showing the powers that are the inequity of their whole, of Verona and Mantua and how some people, you know, are living on doing things that are illicit and corrupt and wrong. Um because that's the only way that they know how to make money and live and survive, and so in part, I don't blame them. but the fact that the the drug dealer gives him the the poison and he's like acting kind of as an accomplice to Romeo's supposed suicide later on. so <sighs> lots of interesting things we could dig into with that um Romeo. Uh, goes on to say farewell buy food and get thyself in flesh come cordial and not poison go with me to juliet's grave for there i must use the talking to the poison that he just bought um, and how he's gonna go to juliet's grave and kill himself there so he could go join juliet in heaven which brings up his dream in a sense metaphorically because he's talking about waking up in the afterlife with Juliet and if he is going to go kill himself to be with Juliet um his dream in a sense is coming true not that I'm like saying that what his plan to plan to kill himself is like right but the dream is coming to fruition so that brings in the element of fate versus free will Scene two is when we learn of why the letter did not reach Romeo, and it is very coincidental that we are in isolation. We are in shelter in place due to our own COVID-19 pandemic because the friar that Friar Lawrence gives the letter to to go deliver in Mantua, Friar John, Tells Friar Lawrence that he was not able to go to Mantua because he was visiting, um, visiting people who were ill. There was a disease, an infectious pestilence, is what he says, uh, where they had to seal up the doors and no one. They basically had to quarantine, so he was not able to go to Mantua to give the letter so coincidental that we're reading this during COVID 19 and we're all sitting in our homes being quarantined right now so kind of freaks me out a little bit got the shivers um so friar lawrence freaks out and he's like oh my gosh i must go to juliet's tomb so that i can help her because she's gonna wake up in three hours and romeo won't be there so he writes again to mantua to try to like tell romeo what's going on little does he know that Romeo's on his way to the grave Okay, we come to the final scene of Act 5 and the entire play. A lot happens here that I really am excited to unpack with you. So we are in the tomb of the Capulet tomb, and Paris and his um, servant are there. Paris is there to lay flowers on his what he thought would be his wife's grave, um, so he's there to honor her and have a moment of saying goodbye to her. And just at that time, Romeo and Balthazar show up. So again, this pairing of uh, two men against two men. And Romeo is there. And he's um, he has a letter that he says to Balthazar, Hang on to this and deliver it to my father uh, as I go in the tomb. Obviously, Balthazar... Um, is there to help him but romeo is telling him to give the letter to my dad don't interrupt me i'm gonna go into the tomb and kill myself um so balthazar doesn't stop him because romeo says if you don't let me do this i intend to kill you i'm gonna i'll kill you if you try to stop me Um, so balthazar is quick to be like okay i'll stay outside and do what you ask Paris also asks his page to just wait as he is in the tomb. So again, these two lovers of Juliet, mimicking one another, different motives, um, obviously, but they, they mirror one another in that in in their actions. And so Romeo goes into the tomb, and he obviously sees Paris, and he's like, "Who? What is he doing here?" He thinks that uh, Paris is defiling Juliet's tomb and he's frustrated that she's there, Paris thinks the same thing of Romeo. He's like, this is that banished haughty Montague that murdered my love's cousin. With which grief is it supposed the fair creature died and here is come to do some villainous shame to the dead bodies. Um, I will apprehend him. So he like confronts Romeo because he thinks that Romeo is trying to defile the Capulet tomb and continue this fighting again. He doesn't realize that Romeo has come to like say goodbye to his, what he thinks his dead wife is. And so Romeo says, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me to like fight you. You don't know why I'm here. Get away. Come hither if you want, I'm armed and I will fight you. So obviously, Paris thinks he's standing up for Juliet and like the Capulet family, so he fights him. Romeo says, If you're going to provoke me, then have at the boy. They fight, and Romeo wins and he kills Paris. So <laughs> Romeo now has killed two Capulets. Um, well, I guess Paris is not technically a Capulet, but he would be married into that family if he were to actually marry Juliet. Um, So Paris says, Oh, I am slain. If thou be merciful, open the tomb, lay me with Juliet. So Romeo says, In faith I will. Um, So he has Paris's dead body and he sees Juliet, what he thinks is her dead body. Then it goes on to his monologue that mirrors a lot, parallels a lot of what Juliet says in her monologue right before she takes the Uh, potion to make herself pretend dead Um, he's looking upon Juliet's body he mentions similar motifs that have popped up throughout the whole play Uh, her celestial imagery we have we call her uh, he calls her a lantern her beauty makes this vault a feasting presence, of full of light. That reminds me of Act One when he says, "Oh, she doth, teaches the torches to burn bright. She is the sun. She is, the, the light of the world." The irony of all of this language is that she looks alive. He says that um, death that has sucked the honey of thy breath hath had no power yet upon thy beauty thou art not conquered beauty's ensign yet is cr- is crimson in thy lips and in thy cheeks and death's pale flag is not advanced there the irony of this is that he sees that her cheeks are red her lips are pink um and she looks alive he's like she doesn't look dead that's how beautiful she is even in death she is gorgeous but the irony is that we know she's not actually dead this is what's so frustrating about the whole play is that if he just waits a little bit longer um she will come alive and he goes on to um talk about him defying fate by killing himself so he says in shake uh, the yoke of inaus- inauspicious stars from this world-weary flesh. Eyes, look your last. Arms, take your last embrace. And lips, oh, the doors of breath, seal with a righteous kiss. He kisses her. And then he says, come, bitter contact, come, unsavory guide. Oh, true apothecary, thy drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. Very parallel language, to when Juliet says, um, she talks about... Um, a holy kiss at the end when she takes the potion. Again, this is a scene that is was foreshadowed with Juliet taking the potion and now here we have Romeo taking poison that is legitimately going to kill him. So he takes the poison and he dies uh, tragically. The friar comes in right after that and the friar and Balthazar are talking outside and Balthazar is telling him that Romeo asked him to stay outside. The friar says, Oh, I much, much I fear some ill, unlucky thing, which obviously he's gonna see terrible things. Balthazar says, I slept here and dreamt my master and another fought and that my master slew him. Balthazar must have fallen asleep or something. I don't know what happened, but he says he also has a dream that Romeo and someone else were fighting, which is actually a real thing that happened. Um, So, Friar enters the tomb, and he sees that Romeo is dead. He sees that um, Paris is dead, and then he sees Juliet, and she wakes up right as the Friar is there. She sees Romeo's body. The Friar says, Lady, come from that nest of death, contagion, and unnatural sleep. A greater power than we can contradict hath thwarted our intents. The friar is mentioning that, wow, things really didn't go to plan. We didn't have control over that, and this tragic ending has now happened. He says, don't worry, come, I'll dispose of thee among a sisterhood of holy nuns. I'll make you a nun so you don't have to live in fear or reign of your family anymore. Um, And she's like, no, I'm not going to go with you. let's see if there's any more poison left i'm gonna kiss thy lips maybe there's poison still on his lips that i want to die i want to die with 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 juliet or with romeo um which the friar the friar i to say that before she says all that the friar says i need to leave the watch is coming come with me juliet um I don't want to stay here because obviously like the watch is going to show up and he's going to see that the friar is there with two dead bodies and obviously he's going to look like the suspect. So the friar urges Juliet to come with him and then she says, No, leave. I'm going to stay because I want to kill myself here with with my husband. Um, I wonder if the friar should have stayed and just like forced her away. Then her life would have been spared. But again, they're doomed from the very beginning. so is this really the only way that the book the play can end? Um, Shakespeare writes it that way. So the watch comes in, and Juliet, right before they like enter, she hears them, and then she says, "Then I'll be brief. Oh happy dagger, this is thy sheath. There rest and let me die." So remember, early on, she talked about killing herself if the potion was to actually kill her or that would be her like backup plan. And here she is actually having to do that. The thing about this that is so shocking to me is that she's so quick to do it the minute she sees that Romeo is dead, which makes me think that she had probably been entertaining this idea before she even met Romeo um, because of her life situation. Um, also impaling yourself I've heard is extremely difficult so she dies in a very tragic and violent way Um, it's very gruesome which heightens the trauma which heightens the tragedy of it all the the visceral imagery of three dead bodies on the stage one with two with blood spewing out would be it's very disturbing and very violent, which makes it all the more when all the family members enter. The prince enters, uh, some side characters, and ent- the watchmen enter. The Capulets enter. The mom and the dad. Just Lord Montague enters because we learn of yet another death. Um, the prince asks Lord Montague, "We need to go to the tomb." This is right before they they come um and lord montague says alas my liege my wife is dead tonight grief of my son's exile has stopped her breath what further woe conspires against my age in other words what else could happen to me at this point in my life i've lost my son i've lost my wife what more could happen to me which is such a human question when we talk about suffering um what else is there for us as we keep on living what what suffering do we have to endure as we are still alive um really heavy stuff but we learn that lady montague dies of grief so not only do we have mercutio tibble paris juliet romeo dead but we also have romeo's mother um just to add on to the tragedy that's very shakespearean too um to have a tragedy that most of his tragedies have like a lot of dead body counts it's really terrible um but death also would have been more prevalent in their era so um to us it feels like a lot which it is but it would have made maybe a little bit more contextual sense too at that time um but not less terrible so the prince is like, what the heck happened here? I don't understand. The friar comes back and he says, let me explain this to you. I know what happened. Um, remember, Balthasar gave the letter to Lord Montague that explained everything with what what is going on from Romeo. So the friar explains everything, what happened, like everything, um, and he says, And if aught in this miscarry by my fault, let my old life be sacrificed some hour before the time unto the rigor of the severest law. He risks himself dying. He says, This is the truth, or else hold me to the death penalty, basically. I'm not lying to you. The prince reads the letter from Balthazar that Romeo had written, and the prince says, This confirms everything that the friar just said. This letter doth make good the friar's words the prince says where be these enemies capulet montague see what a scourge is laid upon your hate That heaven finds means to kill your joys with love the prince is pointing out like look this is what happened to your children because of you your feud your hatred against one another this is what happened um kind of placing the blame on them and then Lord Capulet reaches out and he says, Oh, Brother Montague, give me thy hand. This is my daughter's jointer, for no more can I demand. When a daughter would have gotten married to somebody, the daughter's family would have gave them money to help them get started with their life. So the fact that Lord Capulet, Lord Capulet offers uh, Lord Montague money even though their children are dead, is a sign of peace, you could argue. You could also play this scene as a kind of like a power play still um, because Lord Montague responds with, but I can give thee more for I will raise her a statue in pure gold that whilst Verona by that name is known, there shall no figure at such rate be set as that of true and faithful Juliet. So Lord Montague says, I will honor your daughter with a statue. Everyone will know who she is um lord capulet responds: rich shall romeo by his lady lie poor sacrifice sacrifices of our enmity he realizes that their children were sacrifices of their hatred um and how terrible it is i don't know you could read this as a power play but you could also read it as sincere in that they're ending their feud they're making amends or making peace which brings me back to what the friar said at the very beginning of why he would marry Romeo and Juliet in the first place would be to end this family feud. And their feuding has ended at a great cost of two people's lives. Does that make it right? I don't think so. But does it fit with how the play works out? Yeah. Ends on a very solemn note, the prince saying, A glooming piece this morning with it brings the sun for sorrow will not show his head. Um, again that sun earthly imagery that has been equated to their love Roman Juliet's love throughout the whole play um, talking about how there's too much mourning to have it be joyful and happy and sunny um, because of these two lives being taken he says, "Go hence to have more talk of these sad things. Some shall be pardoned, and some punished. For never was the story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. Such a beautiful uh couplet there. The rhyming, the poetry, woe and Romeo. Um, such a stat, sad story. I feel like the prince is talking to the audience here. I would, I would have this um." It's almost like he picks up the prologue uh, so if I were producing this I'd definitely have it be breaking the fourth wall like he's speaking to the audience says because um, the beginning of the prologue talks about listen to this here's what our th- these this is the two-hour traffic of our stage what here shall miss our toil shall strive to mend so the the ending of the play here with the Prince um, picks that back up of Talk about what you just saw. Um, I don't know if Shakespeare is also saying something about like. The injustice of the whole play of the family members that, you know, continued this feud. The parents are the ones that, in a sense, get pardoned because and their kids are the ones that get punished Um, and how like not right that is. Some shall be pardoned, some punished. Um, So talking about the inequity of and the corruption that exists in our systems of... um, What am I trying to say? The inequity that just exists in our world, um, especially in regards to the haves and the haves-not, people who have money, people who don't. Um, And here... It's people have power and then people don't, the teenagers really don't have that much power. The only way that they're able to exert any sort of independency, you could argue, is that they can take their life, which is such a tragic way to indicate your independence and such a limiting and isolating way of going about that which makes it all the more tragic that these two lives have to be taken at the end so that's the play of romeo and juliet definitely not happy definitely not uplifting but i think this fits in how it's supposed to end um you could also argue that the two of them are in the afterlife together um I don't think uh Shakespeare though wants us to feel peace about that per se, but it definitely makes me think wow, well they're they're in that together. So there's there is an element of beauty to that literally speaking. But it doesn't take away the tragedy of it. I, in fact, actually I think it enhances it. So Let me know your thoughts on this play, and thanks for listening to my podcast, um, my ramblings. Again, uh, this is really fun to do, so thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned. Maybe I'll do some more. All right, bye. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week on Teacher Talk. This is Ms. Bagdove, out.